Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired Keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. And we're here to inspire your evolution today with Taylor Sittler. Taylor, how are you there, brother? Doing great, Amrit. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it is such a pleasure to have you here today. For those tuning into Taylor for the first time, Guess what? You're in for a treat. No surprises there. He's the head of research and development at Levels. For those tuning into what is Levels, Levels is here to help you basically gain insight through your personalized data on health. They believe that metabolism is life and Levels actually helps you see how food affects your health. Taylor himself is a physician entrepreneur who started companies in genetics and women's health. He's worked on research projects in breast cancer, leukemia, pathogen detection, He's a board-certified pathologist in the American Board of Pathology. At the heart of it, the convergence of technology and machine learning that's coming through and its ability to transform medical practice is truly what inspires him. Brother, it is such a pleasure to have you here today. It's really great to be here, Amrit. Excited to talk with you. Yeah. So guys, if you, if you need, if you want to go deep, there's this beautiful YouTube channel called Levels, um, which is probably associated to the company, but man, the interviews and the chats that we go in, there was one I was checking out on inflammation and I was just like, whoa, like the amount of ground you covered in 30 minutes talking about inflammation. I was just like, I like, yeah, it was literally get get out your notepad, get out your pen and you just start dialing all the way in. So thank you so much for just, yeah, just these, these real important topics that I think are really important for us to cover and you taking the time to, to, to bring them to the fore. I want to sort of just peel back the onion a little bit, just sort of meet Taylor for a sec. Why technology convergence and why health? What, like, what was it about your story that brought these two things kind of together for you? Like, why is that the intersection that sort of sparks the most intrigue for you as a person? Yeah, I mean, I've been, um, I mean, part of it is that I was a geek since I was a kid. Um, I've been a programmer since I was eight years old and have had a variety of jobs um, in and around programming for a long time. Um, When I was in college, I started getting interested in medicine. Mm -hmm. And, but it wasn't until you know, I was 25, actually, that I started med school. One of the things I saw in med school was that, you know, there are a lot of really well-meaning people who go into it and, and do some amazing work. 
but it's very individualized and each doctor kind of comes up with their own system. And I think as a, as a software engineer, I always had this idea that we could build better scalable systems that would take care of lots of people rather than just one at a time. And so I think my career has been this series of incarnations doing different elements of that. You know, I started in kind of pathogen detection and, you know, help develop a test that could identify any pathogen from any human sample. It's now used by the CDC. Then I went over to doing more work in cancer, um, working with, you know, some really amazing folks over at Berkeley and UCSF. And, and then finally ended up, you know, starting a couple of companies. Um, each of those was a different iteration of trying to take something that sort of functioned in medicine and then figuring out how to scale it. Mm. And, and I, I feel like that's kind of been my, my MO a few years ago, I, I, after um, the genetics company, um, Color Genomics, mm-hmm. um, I started thinking about, in addition to genetics, what would we really need in order to be able to, to help people understand their health better, right? Mm-hmm. In a preventive way. How do we help people understand how to prevent getting diabetes or cardiovascular disease or whatever? And I, I really glommed on to hormones and the different signaling networks that are going on in your body mm-hmm. as, as this really important source of information that we don't tap at all. And, um, you know, that, that ended up um, in sort of the previous company I started and, and was a, 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 one of the main reasons I decided to join Levels is because they really get that. Mm-hmm. And I think they, what, what the company is looking to do longer term is to build a broader preventive healthcare service beyond just glucose, but looking at essentially all the different important ways that your body responds to things and help helping to use that information to guide your health. Yeah. I love love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think it's really intriguing the conversation you've just like shared off about hormones, but one of the, yeah, I, I can feel your passion. And I think, yeah, some part of me having interviewed people like working on projects bigger than themselves, I find it again and again, it's when you're like, I can see that you've built like some part of me for being so um, no, no, belitt- no. belittling <laughs> some acumen around medicine. <laughs> yeah, And then also your passions for like, you know, scaling that with the potential of software. And then when you find, you know, and we talk about flow states all the time on the Inspired Evolution podcast, but, you know, it's when you find you've got skill and then you can actually like meld that with your passion and it's just the right amount of challenge away from being able to just like, yeah, I can do this. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a, can we, can we do this, you know? And you just like, mm-hmm. your passion can drive you to actually create something that's a really positive change. And I can feel that just brewing at your end. So it's really inspiring to, to have you here and sharing that. Now, one of the key things that emerged from there is, and I think, you know, it, it wasn't, yeah, just for the, for the listener tuning in, there is, there is a clear sort of distinction line in the sand that I feel Taylor is drawing there is, which is between sickness oriented sort of healthcare. Yeah. It's like, I've, something's happened to me and I need to go see someone versus actually like, like preventative and like actually staying on top of your health and like performance and actually really like emboldening your health versus healthcare. Now, I think for most of us, like we don't really go see the doc until we're, you know, something's gone wrong, touch wood, yeah, for everybody. Um, Can you speak to us a little bit about the kind of healthcare, the way that it's structured now and potentially the way you perceive even the future of what healthcare is going to look like, because I've done a bit of research on you and I can see just, you know, for you, it's, it's very individualized. Definitely. Yeah. No, personalized is a, is a critical part of future care. Um, I think you, and, and you also touched on another really important part, which is that future care focuses around health rather than around disease. Mm. Uh, I think that, that transformation is going to take the existing healthcare system a while to make, but um, it's, it's worth talking about how we got here because uh, allopathic medicine is really the only system of medicine that focuses on disease rather than on health. Most of the other, whether it's Chinese medicine or Ayurveda, or most of these other uh, medical systems that have been developed are a individualized and they B focus on health 
first with kind of dealing with sickness second. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the reason, as far as I can tell, I mean, I'm sure there are multiple in retrospect, but the biggest reason why I think allopathic medicine has focused on disease is that, um, you know, a hundred years ago, it was actually quite difficult to measure health or to measure any kind of disease and to get anything that was consistent, right? You had doctors that were treating people in all different kinds of ways, espousing all different types of treatment. And when we started to bring statistical analysis into medicine and think about it more rationally um, and diseases as sort of categories in the 40s, 50s, 60s, um, we developed this categorization system that we have. Mm. And not surprisingly, physicians felt that it was too big of a problem to focus on health so they, so doctors would focus on individual diseases. They became experts in these different diseases. And they defined with a pr very exacting precision what the symptoms were that would put you into this disease category, what the treatments were, right? They, they basically created a structure for us to be able to effectively analyze, uh, analyze it yeah. and to, to work on it scientifically, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Um, the result of that is that now we have this incredible system of monitoring disease and you know putting people into these different buckets and determining which treatments are most effective. Yeah. But we have forgotten that we actually need to orient it ultimately toward health. Yeah. And when I, you know, like that, that's actually the 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 ultimate goal is for it's us interesting, to be isn't it? Yeah. Supporting people. Yeah. Sorry to sorry to interrupt you, but I can sort of see just to sort of like it's we've sort of gotten so much so familiar with the kind of diseases that we've sort of been able to map them out better. And then we've categorized people into those diseases rather than looking at the people from the bottom up and then going, what is causing that is kind of what I'm hearing and what you're sharing. Please continue. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's it's what we um I think we've lost that idea that if you can help someone stay healthy, then you prevent disease, right? Mm -hmm. The most efficient way to enable people to not get to, to avoid disease or the most efficient way to live is to mm -hmm. not get sick, right? Yeah. In the first place, rather than to wait until you get sick and then to become healthy. And physicians will agree on this, mm -hmm. but the, the problem is no one has agreed on what's the best way to stay healthy. Hmm. Right. Um, and, and that hasn't because of the way that our systems develop, there, there aren't very many people in the allopathic sphere that, that work on this kind of thing. Does it buzz you out? Sorry for asking a bit of a personal question at this juncture. There's so much more that we could go into and we will, um, I promise. <laughs> um, but does no, it buzz okay. you out that you're alive at this time where it just so happens that this is your curiosity and there is like the technology is converging to be able to support you for the future of like being able to identify health markers proactively rather than retroactively? Does that buzz you out at any moment and go, wow, like what an amazing Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel very lucky in that sense. I mean, I've, I've sort of come to this, um, mm. this intersection of interests in the last few years, but yeah, no, I feel super lucky that, you know, machine learning has really just gotten to the point that it can be used for this, this purpose. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, it's much easier to opt. If, if you think about this from a machine learning perspective and a data analysis perspective, it's much easier to optimize toward a single goal than away from a bunch of goals, right? Mm -hmm. I.e. toward health rather than away from disease. So I think what we're going to find is it's actually a more tractable problem to help people prevent disease than it will be to treat it. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that, that gets me really excited about that's super the possibility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So you mentioned hormones now let's have a chat about them because, and uh, this is me coming from a very, <laughs> a very recent, very palpable, very, um, real, very grounded sort of experience. Um, my wife recently gave birth. <laughs> oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank That's you. Awesome. Um, and watching the journey of like just mother, hormones, child, birthing, and the cascade of hormones that the mother and the child go in through, especially in the last parts of labor, like the overwhelm and the joy and how infectious that is. And it's like, and even just like little things, like when you pick up the baby, you I literally you can you can feel the hit of oxytocin going through you. It's like, oh my god, like this is the best feeling ever. And it's literally just oxytocin. So imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, prior to this, I didn't really notice. Like hormones was a conversation that was definitely like had in this in these spheres around me, but it wasn't something that I had like a real palpable kind of like, yes, testosterone, yes, estrogen, and yes, a little bit around thyroids and stuff like that, but never really like, whoa, like I can actually feel it as a surge of wave of like emotion almost coming through my body. And it's like this palpable thing that is currently present for me now. And um, even just watching you know, might like, and this is not sort of jump on the pity, pity wagon, but the, the lack of sleep that's kind of been coming, that's come with new parenthood and just what mm. that's done for like the amount of weight gain, like of straight out of the, the hospital, I started gaining, like we went up to like 10 kilograms in weight gain just as a father, not even as a mother. Yeah. Just because of the lack of sleep and the disruption in the hormones. Going, oh yeah. Whoa. Like this hormone thing is really a thing. Yeah, just tell us more about hormones, what you've gleaned, like, and you mentioned something about signaling to the hormones, like how fundamental is it really to our the cornerstone of health? Is it fundamental or is it something even more to it? Please just, I'd love to hear your thoughts on hormones. Well, I, I think um, the, way to, the way to think about hormones is they're kind of the messaging system that the body uses. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this, uh, you know, this, this is, again, me putting on my, uh, my technology hat, but um, if you think about the body as a distributed system in the same way that we think about, you know, Google as a distributed system, let's say, or Amazon as a distributed system of machines, um, you have somewhere between 10 and 100 trillion cells in your body, and they all need to coordinate in very in pretty tight fashion in order for them to operate together. And um, as a if you know, you know, if you've spent time dealing with distributed systems, you know how important messaging is to those systems. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hormones really, to me, are the basic messengers that carry information to cells across the body, right? They're carrying it mostly through the bloodstream. And so these are kind of APBs that are being sent out to the whole body. Hey, this is happening. We need to be aware of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, and you know, not surprisingly, hormones can have pretty profound effects. Um, estrogen and testosterone can have really profound effects on your cognition, on your aggressiveness, on your behavior, right? I mean, we, we think of ourselves as pretty autonomous beings, but we don't realize what that sort of stew of hormones and and other substances is kind of doing to push us in one direction Mm -hmm. or another. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think of hormones really as the messaging system the body uses mm-hmm. in order to communicate what's happening and, mm-hmm. and different functions that the body might will need to get ready for. Another mm-hmm. great example is sort of epinephrine and cortisol and the hormones that are released in a fight or flight response, which we're all aware of, right? How quickly you can be alert or, mm-hmm. you know, have goosebumps show up on you or mm-hmm. like, you know, be ready to fight or, right. These are, these are major shifts in terms of what's being, produced by these cells that occur in very quick fashion, right? Mm-hmm. Your body actually even proactively revs up certain arms of the immune system to be in, in expectation of potentially getting hurt or blunt trauma um, when you go into that fight or flight response. So your body's actually doing all these amazing things in the background mm-hmm. um, through this messaging system. And um, it's, it wouldn't be, I mean, we're, we're beginning to understand the link between hormones and health. A lot of it, not surprisingly, has to do with the patterns of responsive hormones. Mm-hmm. But if you can imagine cracking open 
this amazing messaging system, mm. I think it wouldn't be surprising that it's related to health, right? We talk a lot about the the response and the messages. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes I look at the way society is wired and even just, and you know, this can, this is a total rabbit hole, but, you know, driving down the street and just looking at yellow building, red building, green building, blue building, yellow building, red building, green building. And then it's like, mm. have I evolved to witness this many colors in that much, in that faster fashion to zip past me? You know, like I, I sometimes I just sort of take in a moment and just go, yeah, like I, I take it for granted, <laughs> you know, it's like driving down the street, all these different colored buildings, it's just happening. But then when, you know, I go away for like a camping retreat for a weekend and just watching mm. kind of like, you know, just everything just kind of just settle mm -hmm. and just going, oh, holy shit, I think I'm actually wired to be staring mostly at browns and greens. <laughs> 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 you know, just like that, that base level of sort of like, you know, and then you think about all the other stresses. It's like, oh, running late for a meeting, better chuck in another coffee. You know, <laughs> like that's a whole nother layer beyond that. But even just like how we're evolved, you know, and I think we're still evolving to really pick up, you know, and uh, like acclimatize to the world that we're living in and the kind of stress re responses that are baked in to our current reality that we're not even well, I'll say we take for granted, but we're not even sort of aware that we're taking on until we sort of de-stimulate and de-sort of like respond to the, all those responses that were, that are caked in. Um, does that make this conversation That's, even more important in today's day and age? Yeah, I think so. I mean, in, in some sense, I think that's the, that's really the, the, um, the essence of it or the essence of how we deal with it. I think, you know, we've, um, uh, levels talks a lot about the metabolic health crisis and the rising levels of obesity and diabetes and things like that. And, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's an interesting and, and long story there, but I think if I had to boil it down, there are three big changes in our environment that uh, are causing this, this crisis and, and impacting a ton of people's health. Mm. Um, one of them is the overproduction of food and overproduction of corn specifically. So it's in all of the food that we eat. Um, two, I think it's the, um, the way that we have engineered exercise and uh, a lot of group activity out of our modern life. Mm. Um, and three is the amount of stress that we all feel. Right? Part of it is by just constant overflow, uh, whether it's staring at your screen or looking at all the bright colors out your window or um, right. And, and I think one of the, one of the primary ways to deal with that, actually, if we, if we mm. want to go there yes, is please. to take periodic breaks. Yeah. So for, for the corn and the food, I would say fasting is super Yo. helpful for folks, right. Um, for the, um, the, uh, the sort of the boxed life, it's, mm. it's getting exercise on a regular mm -hmm. basis. Right. Mm -hmm. It's getting out there in some way, whatever works best for you yep. in terms of the stress, it's taking, taking breaks, right. Mm -hmm. Whether you do breath work or meditation, or you go out for a walk or a hike or get out for a weekend, um, it's taking breaks from that modern life that are to me, one of the most fundamental and important starting points yep. for, for being able to survive in the modern world. See, I love this. And now one of the challenges I've got is what you've just described to me is like, yep, fasting. And I definitely want to find out your like interpretation of what fasting looks like and why you think it's so important. But we've talked about fasting. We've talked about a good, healthy amount of movement. And you've brought in like a healthy amount of breaks as well, which you know, as a, as a, as a purpose coach, a lot of people then sort of bleed into performance coaching. And we talk once people are aligned to their purpose, we start talking about performance. And one of the big thing that strips people out when I'm sharing it with them is like, you take more breaks. And they're like, the f like what? I thought I was trying to extract more out of my life. And I'm like, yeah, take more breaks. And the more breaks you take, the better you come back into your work, more rejuvenated to like take things on. And it's like, it's counterintuitive, but it's like, it's amazing what breaks can do for you. Now, the challenge I've got in this space is where's the sex appeal? 
<laughs> in all of this do you know what i mean it's like fast yeah. a little you know move more and take breaks now those that do it like those of us that will implement it that know that it's really good for us get it you know and the challenge is you know one of my um the the valley of disappointment um i don't know if you've read uh, atomic habits by uh james clear it's one of my favorite books and he talks about how like you know we expect when we install a habit to have this kind of linear progression it's like yep i've just started this thing is like the next day i'm going to be this much is like you take the gym as an example it's like you come back tomorrow it's like oh yeah the the six packs forming and then the next day oh yeah there it is and the, but no it's not like that at all it's like actually exponential ish and there's initially there's like no return for your game <laughs> no return on all the effort you put in but then eventually you've kind of got this like thing that scoops up like a bit of a hockey stick but in between that linear expectation and the kind of exponential sort of dip you're going through there's that little where you're under the line for quite some time and that's the valley of disappointment and i think that's where a lot of this stuff like fasting movement taking breaks initially you suffer with that valley of disappointment and most of us you know just go oh you know what just screw this this isn't working and we just go back to the same old same old you know um but i think therein lies and i found this recently myself um and again it was, it was triggered by the same thing the birth of my son you know watching the sort of weight gain like i've never been one really to track calories i got an aura ring to track my sleep like you know and initially i was like do i want an aura ring like i'm not sleeping right now <laughs> like i'm not sure if i want to track my sleep you know uh, like that might even just <laughs> might be too harrowing yeah. to sort of I, look at <laughs> like i can tell you we, we have a we have an almost two-year-old and i've been tracking my sleep for a while and it's not it's not good it's not pretty it's, it's, it's not pretty it's, it's not pretty it's, no. especially when you know what you know about sleep and how important it is it's like uh, I'd rather not know. <laughs> um, we're laughing at the risk of like the other opposite is crying. So we will take the laughter there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, do the best. Exactly. <laughs> but and you know even just like a little like like you know there's my fitness power here in Australia. Like I've downloaded an app called Lifetime. It's helping me track my calories, and I think it's really profound. Like you know pre previously, and even this was even about nine years ago when I was obsessed with the gym, gaining weight, and I had to actually manually track and count all my calories, get my food on the scales. And now I'm looking at this app and I'm like, this is obscene. Like it knows every single food that's available in the supermarket, it knows, and I can just plug it in and it just starts tracking everything. And it's wow. in, like, and for me, it was incredible because I've started to recognize that once what you measure gets managed. And it's like an age old saying, what you measure gets managed, what you measure gets managed. Now, obviously for those that are a bit more OCD, <laughs> there's obviously like a health sort of like, don't get too obsessive. Definitely there's that caveat and that asterisk in there, but I'm noticing it's super, super empowering because all of a sudden it's like, oh, yep. Like that's, you know, that's one muesli bar too many, or, you know, and then you can start to find a healthy rhythm and a healthy balance. Now, I personally was very, I don't want to say anti-tech, um, but I think there's this kind of, there's this juxtaposition. I'll just speak to it with you here and hopefully you sure. can sort of help some of the listeners iron it out. When we're going for health and de-stressing, you know, having something on my finger that is consistently emitting a Bluetooth response, for those of us that are health nuts, potentially goes, but that's not healthy, <laughs> you know, like consistently having signals and EMFs sort of pumped into my body. I don't want to measure. Yeah. I don't want to go down there. Right. Like I'm just going to figure it out on my own. And I don't need an app to tell me kind of how much I'm, how much I'm eating and what feels good. I should just be able to feel into what's good. Now I still feel that's true, but actually watching like kind of what the metrics are telling me and then watching for the response and actually how I feel the next day. And it's like, ah, oh, I didn't overeat and ah. Oh, I'm actually feeling really clear the next day. Like there is actually a dance that I'm building in there. That's actually been really positive for me. Your relationship mm. between kind of, you know, dancing between tech and some of the, you know, the EMF sort of like, is it healthy? Is it not to sort of get too sort of obsessive about it even? And then versus yeah. the actual, like how it can be really supportive for us with the future of actually, yeah, preventing, you know, this conversation that we're having around sickness oriented health rather than health, like, yeah, prevention. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that people are nervous about EMFs. I think they're, we're, we're exposed to somewhere between a million and a hundred million fold more electromagnetic fields in the radio frequency range than we were just 60 years ago. 
Mm. Right. So it's a lot. Mm. Um, I, I think, you know, where I have landed on that particular point is um, the AirPods that I'm wearing have it. The phone I keep in my pocket has it. Um, and, you know, with the millions of people that do have all these devices on them all the time, I feel like, you know, if there were serious health consequences, we'd probably know it by now, just statistically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not to say that there aren't some people who are necessarily, you know, particularly impacted by it, but I haven't seen crazy um, data coming back on it. And mm-hmm. with the, the ubiquity of them, I've, I've kind of pushed that toward the back of my head with that idea. Yeah, maybe that is a, maybe that is something we'll have to come back to. Um, but I guess in terms of, you know, levels and some of the other devices that are out there, I'm just saying, you know, the, we're, we're no, we're not adding to that any more than your AirPods are or anyone else's. And I think the value you get out of wearing a device like that is it, it integrates with what you were talking about, you should feel into it, right? You should be able to just feel what's good for you and what's not. That's called interoception, right? Mm. That intro, that your ability to interocept is actually really important. And mm-hmm. the, the more quickly you can get, give yourself feedback about what's good for you and what's not, the longer you're going to live, right? That's, there's probably an evolutionary quality there. Mm. Um, what I have seen, both from wearing the Levels device and in, you know from some of my other work, is that you enhance your interoception by mm-hmm. getting feedback from these devices. Um, now, it, it's to your point about the OCD folks, if you're looking at it every 20 seconds, it's <laughs> probably not enhancing your interoception. But if you just had this, like, let's say you had a meal a little while ago and you're feeling a little strange and you look at your device and you're like, oh, wow, my glucose actually spiked up pretty high. You start to get a sense for what high glucose feels like. Mm. Because before, I, I think, would argue that for most people feeling a high blood glucose is really hard you're Mm. you're not going to you're not going to be able to do it but in certain cases you may be able to once you get that feedback and you can see oh yeah my glucose is high right now oh actually it's not high right now so what i'm feeling it's not related to that Mm. so i think this feedback if applied in the right way can actually enhance how you perceive yourself Mm. and really improve um, how you're able to respond to things and how you're able to stay healthy. It, it also, for me, is a way to keep me accountable. Like I try to fast 16 hours a day mm. and I often don't exactly when I stopped eating. I think I stopped eating at seven, but I didn't actually stop eating until maybe closer to eight. Mm. And so having that feedback, having that data enables me to go back and be like, oh no, I actually didn't stop until eight. All right. I need to fast until noon the next day or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's the other place it can be really helpful. I love that. So it's helping us build a deeper relationship with our introception, which actually I've I've had that palpable experience. And I know it sounds so cheesy when you say it, it changes the game, but it literally is game changing when you can like little things. It's like, oh, like I am clearer because I haven't had to digest more than what my, my, like, my cal- caloric intake was meant to be. And then you're like, oh, that was easy for my body to metabolize because I haven't sort of caked in an extra slice of cake, <laughs> literally, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, my body's free to do the things it needs to do the next day. The gym felt better, um, you know, and then also the the accountability piece. I love that you brought that in there because actually the, there is something, um, I don't want to say addictive, but also like really rewarding, I would say, like when, you know, you, even that's one of the things that I really enjoy about, you know, some of the apps, which is like, yep, like, you know, even just tracking calories, it's like, yep, you've got a 56-day streak of, you know, logging in your data and watching how you're going and you're kind of like well i've been going 56 days i'll better make it a 60 <laughs> you know and it keeps you <laughs> keeps you onto yeah. it and keeps you honest and keeps you going and it keeps it also like without you know again the asterisks on the obsessive parts but like you know it keeps it you know uh palpable in the front of your mind and center you know it's like yep i just ate a meal at the end of the day you know you can go oh yep these are the meals that i had and you put it in it gets you a chance to reflect and i'm conscious that you know, it's almost like keeping a diary, keeping a journal, you know, the things that you're reflecting on stay present for you and you actually engage with that process in a much more um, fruitful, fruitful way. Yeah. So 
I love that because, yeah, just the way you've described that gives us greater permission um, to dive deeper into connecting with some of the tools that are there that are available to, for us to be able to better deepen our interception and help, help, help keep ourselves accountable. Now, all of this to an end, Taylor, <laughs> all of this that, you know, understanding our hormones, understanding the stress responses, you know, what is it that you're hoping um, for us as as listeners, as human beings, as humanity to sort of develop and cultivate within our systems with regards to health? Yeah, well, you know, one of the thing, the big things that I've learned over the last couple of years is that your state of health seems to be related to um, how well your body responds to things. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm calling this concept resilience. Mm. And um, it's, it's already pretty broadly used in the literature to describe things like, you know, how physicians function even, yeah. or um, it's used to describe psychological health, like psychological resilience. Mm. Uh, but the basic idea here is that how your body responds to different stressors, be they, you know, a hard workout, running a couple of miles, mm. um, did, how your body responds to an illness or getting sick, how quickly you bounce back right? How your body responds to stress, how, you know, how worked up you get, how, how quickly your heart rate goes up or can go back to baseline. All of these, how your body responds to the different things in your every, the stressors in your everyday. Even as you're describing that, and I love that the food conversation is such a, um, is such a big one because yeah, there is so much to romanticize about that, you know, and the food kind of it's the outside world and even just looking at Chinese medicine and how that gut health is so important for your health because it's where the outside world assimilates to your inside world. And it's this, it's, it's, it's kind of alchemy. It's kind of alchemy, right? Like in, without getting to be like, we were all about life and it's kind of my frequency, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like the outside world becomes your inside world and it's this yeah. real dance and it's like, whoa. And then it's our relationship, but that's also, you know, looking after that also is your intuition it's your gut instinct and it's you know how you introspect you know and um yeah it's it's really interesting just watching the dance i love that food's a big part of that conversation but 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 it is so multi-dimensional as well what you're describing yeah like the the stress responses like we've gone we've gone from environment even in this conversation today to psychological to food to movement you know and there's you know there's and that's just you know for there's four big bodies of work. <laughs> so, so much more to it yet again. Do you think, um, like, how do you how do you tackle something like that? And is that through the the technology that's available to us today? Does it make it that much easier to be able to address stress and its responses? And are the markers in the body like bringing it back to first principles? Is that kind of the easy place to go? Like, how how do you tackle just the multidimensionality of the stress that you know, humans are responding to. Yeah, no, age in a phenomenal range of activity, right? Mm. Um, which, which is what makes this so bewildering. Um, what's, what's been encouraging to me is that there seem to be a common set of principles that apply to many different activities that you can look at. Mm -hmm. So, and, and there are this, the signaling cascades that your body produces do have specific rhythms to them. Mm -hmm. So whether we're talking about, you know, psychological stress or we're talking about a physical workout, um, there are patterns of these hormones and other markers, right? Think about the messaging system mm -hmm. um, that are consistent. And we can use our understanding of those patterns to help people uh, figure out how they can improve their health. Mm -hmm. So um, again, it's the, the core thing about resilience is having some kind of a stressor some kind of a performance that you undergo um, or a food that you eat, right? And then looking at the response to that. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a, um, so that's, that's what's kind of enabled me to think about tackling all these different areas. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think, you know, as we think about coming up with markers of health rather than markers of disease, mm -hmm. we need something that you can apply to many different areas in order for, for us to make progress. So um, the, you know, these, the patterns of the, the, these different messengers, I'll say, 
um, is a great place to start quantitatively. And when you think about applying machine learning and we think about correlating it with other metrics of health, um, that to me is kind of where I've been uh, inspired to, to dig in. And I think this concept of resilience hopefully will resonate with people too, because it's, it's not, we're not trying to improve your health in the abstract. We're not trying to just prevent you from getting diabetes in 10 years. What we're trying to do is help improve your everyday life, help you have more energy as you go into the day, have, help you, you know, recover when you didn't get a night's sleep, have more energy for your kid, mm. um, right? Be able to um, ultimately, you know, we'd like to be able to help women maintain their fertility longer. We'd love to be able to, um, and, and all of these things are actually related to our general state of health and, and the likelihood that you will avoid disease in the future. So it's, it's going to be figuring out which ones and, 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 you know, which ones to recommend when, right? What mm-hmm. behavior will we recommend at what juncture? Mm-hmm. I love that because my awareness of, you know, I've, it's interesting. It's interesting because the world kind of sees me as this purpose coach, but I see myself as a health coach. And it's just kind of been like this really yeah. interesting journey that I've been on, which is like, I found that when you're aligned to your purpose is generally when you're feeling the most zingy about life. And that's what vitality sort of means to me, you know, how vital cool. are you to kind of destiny and the life that, you know, that we're living out. It's this very esoteric, but nonetheless, one of the key things that I've come to learn about health for my personal journey and experiences this idea around adaptability yeah because oftentimes you know I, I spent years in the gym just doing olympic sort of lifts just based deadlifts squats and i got really good at these yep. patterns of movement but functionally i was actually a little bit i'm not gonna lie a bit dysfunctional i remember when i had to get under the desk one time to plug in a cable underneath the screen for the computer and i was like oh, and i was like just the chest was like <laughs> it's just like what am i actually i've been going to the gym for years <laughs> it's like actually i've you know, built myself out of shape, but I've built into a particular, anyway, but it's this, yeah, this, yeah. this idea around adaptability that really dropped in for me. It's like, I, like if a mate rocks up and goes, let's go surfing, I want to be able to go surfing. If a mate rocks up and goes, let's go bouldering, I want to be able to go bouldering. If you rock up and say, hey, let's do an overnight meditation where we're not going to sleep and everyone's going to sit there for 16 hours and be able to meditate, I want to be able to do that and like not feel all these aches and pains in my body. And this idea around adaptability really started dropping in as this cornerstone of like what it is mm. as a goal to have for health. Now, I notice that's really slippery, like this idea around adaptability. And this is one of the things I had to sort of come to terms with with health because as soon as like you grab onto the rope for one thing, it's like, you know, it's I was vegetarian for a couple of years, you know, and it's great. And then I was like, mm-hmm. I remember when I saw a functional health medicine person who was like, look, honestly, like supplementing a little bit of meat into your diet could be really helpful for you at certain strategic points because, you know, iron, B12, like some of these things that are really helpful sure, in sure, the sure. system. And I was like, oh, it's almost like once, but like, I lo- like lost so much weight as a vegetarian. And it was like, you know, it was really helpful for me. And then it was like, almost if you stick to one thing for like too long, it almost seems like there is no panacea. There's no, I mean, staying adaptable and keeping it slippery. And I love what you're saying around resilience. When you're saying resilience, it's like, you know, response and our ability to adapt to it and consistently being able to do that. It's almost like a layer deeper. It's like this resilience that we've got within our system to be consistently being able to adapt again and again and again and again and still have this real robustness about us. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely resonating with what you're sharing in there about resilience. Now, the the best way to develop um yeah what's like for the for the listener what are the best like some of the takeaways in this space that you would afford us what are some of the best ways to develop our response ability (laughs) towards Mm -hmm. our health (laughs) yeah well so so the good news is there's there are there's a lot of great stuff out there already um i think usually what i recommend as a starting point is what we talked about earlier which Mm -hmm. is start by taking breaks right? Whether it's taking breaks from what you eat, from not working out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I mean, I really think about it, like, take a break from from standing and sitting, right? Which is working out, right? And then the third one is, is just taking a break from the stress of your daily life. That allows your body to start to reset and all of these complex signaling cascades that are happening to start to get back in line. Mm -hmm. Um, From there, I think it depends on, um, 
your particular uh, situation, what would be best for your resilience, right? If you've noticed that you're fatigued, figuring that out. And there are a number of things that we can look at for fatigue. Um, if you are, you know, if, if um, you're worried about weight or you're worried about your, you know, you've been told you have prediabetes or, you, you know, whatever it is that your particular situation is, um, there are a lot of great programs out there that you can start to tap into. Um, I would say for, for exercise, uh, one of the ones I like the most is CrossFit because mm. they just post a, a daily workout, right? Um, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do all of it. Um, and it's different every day. And you're, you're doing, you're changing up the muscles, right? To your point earlier, the, you're not just exercising those big muscles, mm. um, which are really important, right? So squats, deadlifts, bench press, that's important. And as you get older, actually, it's really important to maintain your bone density, maintain mm. your testosterone level. Um, but in addition to that, you also need to exercise your accessory muscles, which is mm -hmm. why, you know, doing some, you know, random type of pull-up or, yeah. you know, do, doing the, the medicine ball throws or whatever, all these mm -hmm. esoteric movements that you, yeah. you get into is really important. Um, on the, you know, and, and I can recommend programs like that, that, that in, institute that level of diversity for uh, different types of behavior. But, you know, to start with, I think the simplest thing is think about some fasting, think about taking time off of food, mm. thinking about taking time off of standing and sitting and think about taking time off of your stressful life. Mm. So as you're inviting us to take time off, a lot of what I'm hearing as the sort of substrate to that conversation is recovery. Can you tell us a little bit about recovery, why it's so important and yeah, I, I sort of want to ask two questions in one, but I, I'll refrain from doing that. What I was going to ask was why it's so neglected. <laughs> but yeah, maybe you can wrap that into um, <laughs> your response around recovery. Um, yeah. Well, that yeah. Well, most. Um, I mean, I first encountered when I was in my twenties, and I was training for triathlon. Um, the week before we would do races would always be a slowdown week, right? I found that. If I tried to go hard into that last week before the race, I wouldn't do as well, mm -hmm. right? You need to give your body at least two to three days to completely recover, heal that muscle and prep for a race. So the day or two days before a race, you really shouldn't be running very much, right? And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very much an amateur athlete, but I think that idea around giving your body time to take in what you've done and then to recover and um, prepare is really important. Um, it's, it's important also for your concept of adaptability. So if you're trying to achieve something, mm. right, if you're trying to build muscle, let's say, um, the way your body does it is you, you know, you work out, you actually create micro tears in that muscle, right? Mm. It gets weaker and then your body builds it back, but it doesn't just build it back as strong as it was before. It actually builds back stronger. Um, yeah. It can only do that if you give it the right components, right? You have to eat, you have to sleep, you have to, you've got to take time in between your workouts yeah. in order for you to be effective. The same is true for, at least for me, I have found the same to be true for my intellectual work. Um, I was actually pretty recently. So I just finished uh, reading Cal Newport's um, Deep Work. Deep Work. And yeah. yeah and and I realized that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> he talks about having idle time. Mm -hmm. And I realized I, I do have blocks that I schedule into my calendar for working, you know, for tackling larger projects. And, and, you know, I try to minimize context switching. So I'll work on a theme for a day. Um, mm -hmm. But I actually wasn't just taking idle time. And I found if I built in, I don't know, three, five hours of idle time a week, where I just don't do anything, or I go get a beer with a friend, I was more effective, right? Yeah. I could, I, I, you know, I was, I was trying to write this long thing and I, I got through my writer's block after I just took some time off. It's so counterintuitive, so, but it's so profound, isn't it? Once you start like experiencing yeah. it, it's yeah. And I think it's, um, I love everything you shared about recovery and how important it is. And even just, you know, the, the, the miracle that is hormesis. <laughs> like, yeah, right? like it's, yeah. it's incredible just like what biology has put in place for us to sort of yeah. come back. But I there's, love, yeah, sorry, please. Well, I was just going to say there's, a, there's an interesting concept that's lesser known related to hormesis. It's called allostasis. Mm. 
Uh Um, And if you haven't, if you haven't scratched the surface yet, I think you'll really like it. It's it's exactly this idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so allostasis is this concept of it's rather than, so it's a, it was a response originally to homeostasis, which is we, we all inherently think that if we do something, you know, our body bounces back. We we're, yeah. we're homeost, you know, it works to maintain. We level back. But out. actually, yeah. yeah, actually, most of the time, the body doesn't just go back to where it was before. It actually will create a new set point. Uh-huh. Um, so, for example, when you start working out, it doesn't just build your muscle back to where it was before. It actually builds it to a new set point where mm-hmm. it expects you to be in the future. Um, the same is true for how it manages your metabolism, for how it manages you know, it, your body is proactively moving resources to where it thinks they're needed all the time. This happens on the individual cellular level, and it also happens on the organ and systems level. So um, cells, when they're stressed, will change the way they respond so that they can handle that stress more in the future, as will organs and systems. And this is part of the reason, yeah, it's part of the reason we actually develop metabolic dysfunction is because so for example, if you start putting high levels of sugar into your body, yeah. your body resets so it can handle more high levels of sugar. And, and the, eventually the cells, uh, particularly your adipose, your fat cells and your, your, um, your muscle cells will become resistant. It's, this is insulin resistant. Um, they will not respond to high sugar levels very quickly and, and they'll require more and more insulin in order to get the glucose level in your bloodstream down because they're used to it. You've kind of trained your body to work at that level. So this is this this idea of allostasis functions really again. It's sort of across the board, and I think is is a cornerstone of resilience. Yeah, wow. Because <laughs> what I'm hearing in there is there's this futuristic propensity that each response in your body has, enabling you to deal with it in the future better. So you know if you sort of potentially eating the wrong thing, your body's diverting energy towards that to sort of go, okay, let's develop that and potentially not developing something else in your body that could it could be recruiting to actually facilitate a different sense of adaptability within your system. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's really landing really deep for me. I don't know about the listener, but for me, that was, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Really awesome. appreciate it. Yeah, no, my pleasure. The other piece that you tucked in on there was, um, when we're talking about like breaking down and recovery and building back up. And I think for, for biology and like, you know, the, 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 the musculature, like, like it's, it's much more apparent, but yeah, the, the mental, the mental aspect of it, the psychological aspect of it. And even, you know, the emotional aspect of these things, having coached quite a few people, you can sort of see that, you know, when people go through some sort of like, let's just take family as an easy example. Um, sorry for, family sort of going there it's like a low-hanging fruit but you know we sort of wear each other down after a while and it's like you know when it comes to my mum, <laughs> I just I die <laughs> or when it comes to my dad or you know when it's this particular sibling and it's like I'm just you know they just said the hit the trigger points hit straight away and it's like you can sort of see that the the resilience isn't there emotionally or the resilience isn't there you know with with the sort of mental capacity because the the response and the triggers have already been sort of um, I don't want to say hijacked, but like the pathways are already so like, you know, worn in terms of us just sort of reacting out of like, you know, and so you can sort of see that it's like this conversation around recovery is not just a physical thing. It's so interdimensional once again, when it comes back to, um, yeah, us navigating our relationship with our health. It's fascinating for me. It's just, it's just like purely fascinating. And then obviously the relationship that our emotions then have on our thoughts and then we start to looking at placebo, nocebo, and then that sort of cascade that that has on our physiology once again as well. Um, yeah, I'm really finding it quite profound just you, like the how first principles you've brought it back to with sort of the markers and looking at, okay, this is the stress, this is the response. And this is how we can actually watch for some of the markers in there, whether it's emotional that's sort of triggering it, whether it's mental that's sort of triggering it, whether it's physical fatigue that's triggering it, the response is likely to be similar in the body. Am I right? Yeah, there. well, there are patterns that you can pick up. Essentially, mm-hmm. there are patterns that these messengers will send mm-hmm. um, and that are being broadcast to all the cells in your body that we can pick up and, and look at. Yep. Awesome. And is that something that fundamentally you'd advise us to sort of connect with levels and have a look at at levels and what they're up to in the world to help us connect to that deeper? Or is there more in your arsenal that you would like to connect us to? 
Well, I would start with levels for sure, because I think the you know this is where the company is headed. Um, yeah. Right now, they're doing work around glucose and food, mm-hmm. um, but I expect that to expand out sequentially over the next year or two. Um, there are, you know, I, I think um, I'm trying to think of what other great resources there are for looking at this. Um, there, there really aren't a lot of ways to do continuous monitoring right now, mm-hmm. which is what's needed, right? Yeah. You need to be able to measure the thing at the time that you need it, right? Mm. So at the time you engage in some kind of behavior or at the time you have a stressful phone call or you get angry at somebody or whatever it is, um, there, there are a whole range of, um, you know, I, I feel like there's going to be a quantified self movement that continues to build around this. Where people are going to, you know, yeah, 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 right. They're they're gonna they're gonna you know do a, a blood panel right after they got angry or something, yeah. like that, right? Like just <laughs> just yeah. to see what's happening. Yeah. But um. But I I really think we're just scratching the surface on being able to measure these things in, in real time. Um. You know, Alice State. Well, so there's a in addition to I, I definitely would recommend though first go check out the levels blog, mm-hmm. check out the the um the goal of the company and all the, I think Levels has done a really awesome job of looking at the importance of metabolic health. Mm. And because, because every single cell in your body uh, undergoes metabolism, Mm. right? Every single cell in your body produces a number one, a number of these metabolites and needs to be able to um, do these basic things. So you, as, it's not surprising to me that metabolic health would be so related to so many diseases. Mm. Um, a lot of the metabolic machinery that your cells use was actually developed, you know, a billion years ago by rapidly evolving bacteria. Mm. And we share a lot of the basic elements of metabolism with lots of organisms out there. I'm pretty Mm. sure that basic metabolism among trees is pretty much the same as it is among humans and Mm-hmm. fungi and all kinds of things. So there are some very basic building blocks there that every cell uses. And so it's it's not surprising that they would be connected to a whole range of diseases. And I think what Levels has really su- successfully intuited is that by monitoring your glucose, which is your body's kind of core metabolite, mm. it's the core fuel source for all those cells, um, you can tell a lot about what's going on in that mm. system. So I think it's a really great beginning to understanding first what metabolism is, what metabolic health is, and then thinking about health more broadly based picture. on that. And, and, and they've, they've got a, um, if, you, if you go take a look at the blog, they've done a really good job of making the um, metabolic health understandable to people and all the, all the different elements of it, whether it's you know, the relationship between arthritis and metabolism or metabolic health, the relationship between your vision and metabolic health. They've mm-hmm. done a really, it's, there's a, a broad set of really great content there that I would suggest folks read. Um, I can give you some more uh, references as well, if that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so on the allostasis front, there was a book written by the guy who coined allostasis named Peter Sterling a couple of years ago. It's called What is Health? Mm. Um, and that's worth, that's worth checking out too. That, that, if you want to geek out on the, you know, the, the sort of first principle stuff, that's exactly what awesome. this guy does. Put the link to that um, machine so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a fun one. Um, and then resilience more generally, I think, I think it's actually, it might even be worth just doing a Google search on resilience. People have mm. talked about it in a variety of different contexts. Yeah. And I think it's worth understanding how it's applied to psychological health, how it's applied to, um, you know, they talk even about resilience of cities in the face of climate change or Mm. resilience of forests or things like that. Uh, I, this concept of resilience and being able to, to your, to your earlier point, Hey, if I want to go and do an overnight retreat, uh, I want to be able to do that and know that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to nail it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, and also being able to recover quickly from yeah. any kind of a, a, a stressor that you have. So really, you know, that the um, that core concept of resilience, I think is so important to health in general. 
I love that. And uh, yeah, we'll put links to levels and the references that you've mentioned and uh, maybe even just uh, I'll go digging for some articles on resilience that really resonate with me. We'll put them all in the show notes um, for the audience tuning in here. Um, lastly, before I let you go, Dan, <laughs> I can feel like I've talked to you forever, um, is um, this, this concept around inspired evolution. It's a question that I love asking everybody at the end. What is your vision for the future for humanity, for the planet, for our own individualized health? What do you see? What in, like what do you see as sort of the bright tomorrow um, with regards to potentially this convergence that you're interested in around health and machine learning? Yeah, I, well, I think the way I see it um, in, let's say, 20 years, because mm. I think, you know, the the changes that I envision will be, um, they'll be available technically long before they're available um, politically, I think, mm -hmm. because whether it's, you know, medicine or there'll be a lot of, there'll be a lot of uh, human roadblocks to implementing this stuff. But I think what's going to happen eventually is you're, you're not going to go to the doctor anymore for a checkup. Um, the, the annual checkup that we do We've, the, the Canadians actually realized already in the 1970s that doing your annual health checkup provided no value. And, and there was a national task force that actually recommended getting rid of it. Um, there, there's a great 1979 article on this. Um, that checkup, and, but, but we, you know, I think we as people want to check in periodically, make sure we're healthy, right? There's a real, and, and it's, there's, a, there's a good reason for that thought and that, that desire. Um, so I think that check-in is going to be in the form of some set of blood work and imaging and um, questions that are asked over an app. And all of this can be done remotely, right? If you need to get imaging done, a truck will pull up, you'll jump inside, you'll get an ultrasound or a quick MRI or whatever you need, and you'll jump out. And so you won't, you won't go to the doctor for most things unless you get really sick. Um, that's number one. I think number two is you will, um, your, you will avoid, you'll spend more time trying to avoid disease than you will treating it, right? It's, it's this, you know, that we'll have much more on the, um, in the realm of uh, behavior change that we can, that we can recommend to people. Um, the, and, and, and I think, you know, people will think, and even doctors actually will start thinking about health rather than treating disease, right? I think that that'll be a really important shift. Um, third, I think um, your insurance company will actually care if you're healthy. Uh, our, um, there are changes happening here in the US and hopefully, I, I think, well, Australia is a single payer healthcare system, right? Um, so it's not so bad over there uh, as it is here, but, but I think what you'll see is that these, the bigger payer systems will eventually realize that um, this way of treating disease is, is the way to go. And so they'll put a lot more money and time into this. I love that. Thank you so much for just the inspiring directions that all those avenues take. And I personally really connect to the, yeah, just the personalized ability to connect with our healthcare and just the empowerment that comes with, yeah, just the access to the information that we need for our unique selves, because yeah, we're all such unique expressions of life. Taylor, man, I'm so inspired by you and following your passions, man. And thank you so much for sharing yourself so passionately, so abundantly here with us today, informing us. Um, one of the big things I'm taking away from today's conversation is this concept around resilience. Um, and also just the, the, yeah, the adaptability piece that was already there, but just how important that resilience is underneath there to sort of like as this bedrock. And the allostasis conversation has been a really yummy one for me as well. And yeah, just your passion for where the, the convergence of health and tech sort of go and like just how that can really support us in just really living these really empowered selves. Man, I could just thank you for showing up today, but thank you so much for like, this is a lifetime's work that's informed this conversation. So just honoring and acknowledging you for that. And also, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing yourself so abundantly with us. Um, it was a pleasure talking. This was really Thank you so much, brother. Yeah, it was really great. I love you. I'm glad we got <laughs> you. On behalf of myself and the Inspired Evolution Tribe, wishing you all the best for the future, brother.
Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of The Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to The Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of The Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions Supply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.